0: This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Angela Tomlinson, and our guest today is Lucia Morrow. Before telling stories through film, Lucia Morrow of Chicago was a longtime theater dance critic, arts journalist, author, radio commentator, educator, and photographer. Her short film, In My Brother's Shoes, centers on a man who honors his fallen Marine Corps brother by taking a pilgrimage to Rome in his sibling's combat boots. It was awarded Best Short Film at the 2015 Vatican Film Festival in Rome. It was also featured in the 2015 International Cannes Film Festival Short Film Corner. Lucia is the writer-director of the 2016 feature, One Year Later about an American woman who takes a cathartic trip to the Italian Alps one year after completing cancer treatment. It's screened at Montreal's Views of the World Film and Music Festival, where it was nominated for Best Original Score and is shown throughout the medical community for cancer support. Francis Xavier Cabrini, the People's Saint, her poetic documentary honoring the patron saint of immigrants tours across North America and Europe and was on an official selection of the Catholic Film Festival in Seoul, South Korea. Her work explores the idea of healing, resilience, and human connection. All of Lucia's films are part of the nonprofit In My Brother's Shoes, Inc. that she and her husband producer Joe Orlandini founded. To assist with support for PTSD, cancer research, and humanitarian efforts, she is now in production for a documentary called "I Have a Name" in the collaboration with the Chicago Health Initiative, which addresses homelessness in Chicago. So, welcome, Lucia.
1: Thank you so much, Angela. It's a really an honor to be here. Well, you've been a busy lady. Yes, I have. I felt like my life has led up to filmmaking. As, as you know, I was an arts journalist and, and you know writer and photographer, and I felt that all of those areas, from interviewing directors and working with actors and visual artists, that it almost created my aesthetic to move me into this next chapter of my life, which is filmmaking, and it's been so rewarding. It's the
0: battleground state right now with millennials and younger, because they're so drawn towards what they see in the arts more than in the old days. let favorite it was books. You know, we read the lives of the saints. <laughs> yes. but there's probably zero chance that's happening on any kind of yes. scale basis.
1: Yes, Angela, great point because um, I'm finding you know, it, the world we live in is so visual. It's not even sound bites anymore, it's visual bites. And I have the opportunity, you know, when I'm working, I'm the writer, director, my husband Joe's producer, but... Um, my crew tends to be younger people who have just graduated say from film school they're in their 20s so they really understand the technology and all the equipment so they're they're so well versed and it's a beautiful compliment because we have, I'm not just, (laughs) I'm not in my 20s (laughs) so uh, there's the experience of age that I can bring and experience and then I learn more about the technology through the younger generation
0: and so Lucia tell us a little bit we want to talk today about your documentary on our hero, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Tell us a little bit about the backstory and how that all came about.
1: Well, I always feel that our film about Mother Cabrini happened through divine intervention, and I, I really mean that. Um, my husband, Joe and Dino and I are uh, congregation members of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini uh, in Chicago two years ago. So in 2017, uh, that marked her uh, 100th anniversary of her passing to eternal life in Chicago at what was once Columbus Hospital, and is now the, the Shrine. We were showing my first film, which you, you talked about, In My brother's shoes at the shrine for Lent. And after the showing, one of the volunteers from the centenary committee approached us and asked us if we'd like to be involved in the 100th anniversary activities. And Joe and I, since we are filmmakers, we thought, well, wouldn't that be wonderful? Maybe we could create some type of film or video. We weren't sure yet. It was as if this this idea hit us right there when we were at the shrine. the, The desire to do this, it just got stronger. There was this great sense of urgency and we went ahead and we said, you know what, let's make the film, uh, documenting what shaped Mother Cabrini, what led to her founding so many institutions, how does her message live today. You know, she is the patron saint of immigrants. From there, it just it took off as we started to raise the money. You know, we are independent filmmakers. We discovered just how many people are dedicated to Mother Cabrini were so happy that we were making this film and wanted to get involved. And uh, we went into production in June of 2017. We premiered the film in November of 2017, which Whoa. was still Mother Cabrini's centenary year. So we, I don't think we could have made a film in such record-breaking time if Mother Cabrini weren't somehow involved Look at that
0: Did you film on location
1: in Chicago? We did. In fact, we did a lot of our filming in Chicago. We highlighted the National Shrine and the fact that it essentially rose from the ashes or the demolition of Columbus Hospital, which Mother Cabrini founded. In 1905, and then, of course, in 2001, Columbus Hospital was demolished uh, to make way for the condominiums that stand there. But the chapel of the hospital was preserved, and that's the shrine, which is incorporated into the condominium complex. So we show that, and then uh, we also were able to film on the Near West Side at Our Lady of Pompeii Church, since Mother Cabrini did minister to the Italian immigrants in Chicago and founded what became Mother Cabrini Memorial Hospital. And then um, the other area would be what was formerly Assumption School in River North and Assumption Church is there as well, which Mother Cabrini came to Chicago in 1899 at the invitation of the Servite Friars to found Assumption School. So we, w- we wanted to show the places where Mother Cabrini lived and worked in Chicago out no. And then, of course, we also filmed in her birth home of it, um, in Lombardy, Italy.
0: So she came over. How old was she when she came to the United States?
1: Um, Mother careers was born in 1850, and she came in, in 1889. So that would make her not quite 439 when she first came to the United States, and she started in New York. Uh, you know, her, her original mission was to travel to China. Since she was a child, she wanted to be a missionary in China, but when she met with Pope Leo XIII, he encouraged her to go west to minister to the Italian immigrants. She, she spoke their language. He felt she had the strength and determination to found schools, to found hospitals, orphanages. And it was a, a big change of plans for her. She ultimately embraced it and crossed the ocean, I think, about 30 times or in established institutions throughout the United States, South America, uh, in europe
0: and crossing the ocean in those days isn't like crossing the ocean
1: <laughs> in these right days. oh and the stories you know mother cabrini kept the most beautiful journals and she writes about those crossings she um she actually had a lifelong fear of water because as a child she she fell in the water in you know just outside milan and Sant'Angelo lodigiano where she grew up um there's this beautiful story about how she believed an angel saved her from drowning. She, she then, despite that, you know, her, she also was of quite fragile health. She had issues with her lungs and breathing and, but she managed with her quiet determination to persevere. And so she just forged ahead and said, okay, I have got to conquer this fear of water. And she <laughs> conquered it so many times. And as you said, the crossings were not easy. Uh, And she was often crossing with her fellow sisters and you could imagine the level of discomfort and seasickness. You know, Angela, there's this wonderful story, you know, when she first came to New York, there was a miscommunication that uh, somehow her services were no longer needed, but she had already set sail and arrived in New York. Bishop Corrigan, who had been sent for Mother Cabrini, suddenly, like, he he met her. You know, when the boat arrived, said, you know, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to turn right back around because there must have been some uh, misinterpretation. We really don't need you to help us here anymore. And she said, uh-uh, no way. <laughs> the Holy See sent me here, and this is where I stay. She <laughs> was from she and her sisters marched over to a boarding house with, I think, no heat in the middle of winter, but they stayed put and they found a place for Mother Cabrini to work and to assist with the orphans there. And that that was her, you know, you could imagine you've just spent a couple of weeks crossing the ocean, you don't exactly want to turn around. How did she get from New York to Chicago? Oh, well, so New York, you know, she also founded the Columbus Hospital in New York. And, oh, she did sit so much. And And, you know, her institutions were primarily... Schools, orphanages, hospitals, novitiates, and it would have been that the word got around how successful she was, and it was the Servite friars in Chicago had contacted Mother Cabrini to to come to the city and to assist with the the brand new uh, Assumption School. So she taught there and and uh, also prayed at Assumption. Catholic Church, which is in the River North area. From there, you know, she she established a lot of uh, professional relationships. She saw the need for health care again among the earlier immigrants, uh, wanted to create medical facilities. For immigrants, for people who were in need, but medical care that was of the highest caliber. She, she believed that there should be that sense of equality. And, and she was met with resistance early on, but, um, she did, of course, found Columbus Hospital in Lincoln Park. A lot of the money that she was able to raise, she was a great fundraiser. And through her resources there, she was able to then open up a second hospital that was free for immigrants. And this would have been early 20th century, you know, between 1905 and 1911. So she was able to get philanthropic support and was always interested in hiring the best physicians.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the voice of Lucia Morrow talking about Mother Cabrini. Lucia just completed a film, which is, I guess you showed it here in, in the Chicago Land area, and that's how we heard about you. It's Francis Xavier Cabrini, The People's Saint. Francis Xavier Cabrini, The People's Saint.
2: My mother-in-law was born in 1891, And she recalled once a story of how, as a young girl, they would see Mother Cabrini down. uh, My mother-in-law lived on Deming Place in Chicago, so it must have been near Columbus Hospital. So if Mother Cabrini came in 1899, that would mean that my mother-in-law would have been eight or nine or ten, the young girls used to run up and kiss her hand, Mother Cabrini's hand, when she would come out onto the sidewalk.
1: That is such a a beautiful story. In fact, it, it really touches my heart um, because my husband, Joe, and I live right around the corner from Deming Place, and that's where now the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart, which Mother Cabrini founded. That's yes. their convent, and it's across yes. from the National Shrine. Yes. And Mother Cabrini loved children. In fact, when she passed away in December twenty second, 1917, she was preparing uh, candy for the children, and for the orphans. So uh, she always made sure that even though she didn't have a lot, that the children would celebrate Christmas, they would get candy and they would get cookies and they would get these special treats so that they 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 really felt like they had a childhood and they had this joy. And I think it says so much about Mother Cabrini that you know when she was at the end of her earthly life, she was thinking about the children. So the thought of them kissing her hand is 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 just so inspiring.
0: You mentioned in your film that you also interview people who are continuing on the Mother Cabrini message.
1: Yes. So for, for our interviews, you know, we, we certainly we interviewed a number of the missionary sisters of the, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. You know, the missionary sisters have missions now across several, several countries and all across South America and Africa and in various parts of Europe. As well and across the United States. In terms of uh, those living her, her message today, we also spoke with, there are several new immigrant communities. In fact, right in Chicago, and uh, one of the parishes is St. Ita Catholic Church, which in a way serves as a microcosm of the world. Father Bob Cook is the pastor there, and they have their Knights of Columbus. Group, which is called the Mother Cabrini Council, that particular uh, Knights of Columbus group consists of individuals from many different countries, primarily Nigeria. That's an area where the Nigerian immigrants are assisting in a lot of charitable work. And within that parish, there is the Burmese community, and many of those individuals are refugees who find a safe, nurturing environment at the parish and. Their masses are in the Burmese language. They're immigrants from all different parts of Central America, South America, Mexico, who have programs for just many, many things, child care and, and housing and, and job opportunities. Their youth ministry is very active. So, so those are some of the examples I wanted to show that there are those living, living mother Cabrini's compassionate message today. So the fourth part of the film is actually called Mother Cabrini Today. And I, I just want to show that her message is forever relevant, no matter what time period.
0: I just pray we really need Mother Cabrini as in the world today between the healthcare situation, the education situation. It's almost like we need to have her rise from the ashes, Lucia, and, and inspire young little Mother
1: Cabrini. Oh, Angela, I, you know, <laughs> you have echoed my words, I believe that if, you know, 100 years after her passing, that she's been resurrected, that we really do, as you said, across the board, where do we need all this assistance? We need it in, in immigration, in healthcare, in education, <laughs> in childcare, and so many of those areas that are, are such hot button issues today. And I do believe that over the decades it's as if Mother Cabrini's legacy was I just I hate to use this word, but it's as if it were forgotten. Not by not by everyone. But there's this sense of often having to explain her legacy, what she's done. And I, I felt that at some point in time over the decade that Mother Cabrini wasn't as prominently featured. Somehow, If we have time, there was a quick story that I I wanted to share about her tribute marker in Chicago. So in front of the the National Shrine in Lincoln Park, or when it was Columbus Hospital, there used to be a tribute marker that the city of Chicago sponsored that had a picture of Mother Cabrini and her bio. And you'll see these throughout the city of prominent Chicagoans, people who lived in Chicago. Once Columbus Hospital was demolished almost 20 years ago, this tribute marker disappeared disappeared, never to be again and so my husband Joe was on a, on a mission and he said, you know what, now that we have our film there's the shrine, I have to find out about that tribute marker and he tracked down, he went to the city of Chicago he, he actually tracked down the original graphic designer of these tribute markers well, they couldn't find the Mother Cabrini one. The fear was that it may have been thrown out, which is the most horrifying thought in the world but we, we do, we think it was thrown in dumpster. So what we did, we were able to get the alderman behind us. the original graphic designer. We updated it and he printed another one and we got it all laminated and beautiful picture of Mother Cabrini. And so last year when we showed our film at the National Shrine after the screening, our alderman Michelle Smith came out and unveiled the tribute marker, and it's there to this to this day. So for a year now, anyone walking past the shrine will see this this what dedication. A great
0: story, and cats off to you and your husband bringing the spirit of Mother Cabrini back to the city of Chicago. You know, we've abdicated all of this to the state, so now we have state-run yes. schools, state-run hospitals, state-run education, and. We've swapped yeah. the love of Mother Cabrini for government
1: mentalities. Oh, yes. And, you know, Mother Cabrini, what I love about her is how she took matters into her own hands. She she wasn't, you know, egotistical in any way. I mean, she she would get right in there and when they were building her the hospital, you know, on the near west side of Chicago, Taylor Street, she would start mixing the cement and putting the bricks in and, and <laughs> pushing the wheelbarrow. I mean, she, she didn't mind that she had to roll up her sleeve and get right in and work with everybody else. She didn't set herself above anyone. And what a remarkable example. She's, she's so, so touched my life and in so many ways and continues to touch my life. And I feel very blessed. And let's so you tell us a little bit about the music. Oh, well, the music acts as a central narrator in the film. I collaborate on all of of my films with a composer named Enzo de Rosa, and he's originally from Naples, Italy, but lives in Montreal. It's hard to explain, but I feel like artistically, (laughs) spiritually, we're completely on the same page that I could describe a scene to him, and he'll be so inspired, he'll just start writing the music without seeing any of the film footage, he was telling me that as we were working on our Mother Cabrini film, he would wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, I'd wake up and I'd run into my studio and I'd start writing notes about the music as if it came to him in a dream. And I'd listen to the music. i say, this is Perfect. This is unbelievable. And one, one of the pieces that he wrote is a hymn to Mother Cabrini using her own words, her own words from her journal in Latin. We recorded and filmed this in Rome. Uh, there's a, a a choir in Rome who performed it in a very small church. Not this, you know, not an extravagant, not an extravagant church, but church called St. Alessio which is part of a school for the blind in Rome. And I thought, well, that's very interesting that Lucia. we're in this small church and there's this wonderful choir and they're singing this hymn that Enzo wrote using Mother Cabrini's words. And we thought that's where we had to film it. It, it. it made sense because Mother Cabrini would have, I think, liked to be in that environment. it's
0: so interesting with your name being Lucia, that you were having this in a school for the blind, you know, St. Lucy with the patron saint of eyes.
1: And in fact, Angela, I just thought of that you, you just made me think of that now i honestly I hadn't thought about that until we're having this conversation wow. That's really amazing. It just hit me right now wow. how How did you select the actresses oh well for the the actresses I wanted to so so of course, it's a documentary with interviews and historical background being a director who loves working with actors and comes from theater. I felt we needed to highlight the milestones in her life, almost like the History Channel. So I wanted to show Mother Cabrini at three different periods of her life, as a, as a child, as a young woman, and towards the end of her life. The little girl, Martina, is an Italian actress. At the time, she was only seven years old. man who was my director of photography in Italy had worked with her on a commercial and just thought she had such a wonderful spirit. And I saw a video of her, and I said, oh, she's just such an innocence and sweetness to her. Her name is Martina. She was available to, to be Mother Cabrini as a child, and she's shown, you know, Mother Cabrini loved to play with paper boats, and she'd fill them with flowers, including violets, and send them down a stream. And she pretended that those were missionary sisters, Wow. on their way to China. So that's the film opens really with the little girl sending these paper boats and the paper boats more into uh a larger ship that Mother Cabrini would have crossed and the the ocean. And so you the know, so little Martina is that part and then a little girl realizing her dreams and and Miriam Giudice, another Italian actress, is Mother Cabrini as a young woman. What I loved about Miriam, which we had found her through, it's a casting uh, website. I, I I actually work with a lot of Italian actors, but Miriam, I went through this casting site, and when I saw her picture, I thought that her eyes were so expressive, and that she'd be perfect. And we got in touch with her. I have to tell you, here's another Mother Cabrini blessing. In Miriam, Judy, she portrays Mother Cabrini. As a young woman. Well, I have no way of knowing this. After I met her in Italy, she said, you'll never believe this, but I graduated from Mother Cabrini High School in Milan. Wow. Uh, And her parents are very active. They assist the uh, Sisters of Charity, of the Assumption, also in Milan. And when we, we showed, we showed our film, uh, last year in Milan, and her parents helped coordinate our film screening for the sisters, and then we also showed the film in Lodi, closer to Mother Cabrini's birthplace, where the missionary sisters of the Sacred Heart attended, you know, and then we showed it in Rome. I mean, it's just re- remarkable. And then in Chicago, our our actress is actually a member of the National Shrine. She's Barbara Landis who is an is an opera singer, but she's really not singing in the film. She just she always has had a close connection to Mother Cabrini and she just felt like the right person for that for that scene where we show Mother Cabrini preparing the presents and the candy for the children. And then we have her looking out uh from a building that's in Lincoln Park, which Mother Mother Cabrini cast to eternal life at Columbus Hospital in Lincoln Park. So what we have are looking at is the Lincoln Park Conservatory, and that was referencing Mother Cabrini being in Lincoln Park,
3: uh-huh.
1: and in, in the conservatory would have been there when when Mother Cabrini lived in Chicago. So there there is a lot of there's so much symbolism throughout the film, and you know. I have to
0: tell you, just meeting you, even though it's been over the internet, Lucia, you've brought so many blessings to me personally. Because last night, yes, last night we had we were in the studio here talking, and one of the women who's in the studio now, Patricia Burke, told, I was saying how my grandmother loved Mother Cabrini, and we've always loved her. And Patricia said, "Well, I have a statue of Mother Cabrini." And she got it at the shrine, right, Patricia? Mm -hmm. And so now I'm looking at Mother Cabrini, and she has flowers all around her. And then Patricia gave me a relic of Mother Cabrini, and I have it around my neck. So in one fell swoop, Mother Cabrini got right to work here at WSFI Catholic Radio. I got a relic. We have a statue. And Patricia, you had a a comment or a question that you
3: wanted to make. Well, I was just going to say four of my children were born at Columbus Hospital, which was run by the the Cabrini nuns, and my Italian doctor was affiliated Columbus and Cuneo. Then I became a third-order Franciscan, and the region I belong to in Chicago is Mother Cabrini region. So every November around her feast day, we would go down Columbus Hospital to do the celebration in her shrine and chapel. And that's where I got the statue that I gave to Angela. And she's about two feet. And I said, I just have to get the statue because she looks like she's weeping. But I don't know what the... And that chapel was so absolutely beautiful down there. when we would have mass and celebrate her. And they'd have her bed in her room and all this different things. It's just wonderful, and we're going to celebrate it again this year. I just thought she was in my case, so I said I should bring her to the radio station where more people can enjoy her and learn about her. And then, with all the stuff going on with immigrants today, they can use her to intercede for their needs.
1: What a remarkable story. You had mentioned uh, Mother Cabrini's room, and you know, the shrine now has. We created Mother Cabrini's room, and we showed it in the film as well. We, we really give a tour of the furnishings and the, the chapel itself and how it was restored.
2: Lucia, this is Rosemary. I, have, I would like you to repeat the name of the film.
1: Uh, the, the name of the film is Francis Xavier Cabrini, The People's Saint. Thank you.
0: And Rosemary, we talked about maybe WSFI offering a
1: movie screening. I would love, Joe and I are more than happy to coordinate that.
3: I have one more thing to tell you, too. My mother was dying, and they said, she's not going to make it. If she lives, she'll live one day. So there were two Mother Cabrini nuns, and their mother was in there. And I said, I don't know how my mother's going to get communion, because everything was a little different way back then, plus it was not a Catholic hospital, and they said, I will see that your mother gets communion, and I have the relic of Mother Cabrini, and I will touch it to your mother. Do you know my mother, she was one of the saints that interceded. My mother lived 10 or 15 years after that.
1: I believe that. Yeah. Oh, that and then, is so beautiful. You, what I, have, I, I, I really believe it.
0: I. Hundred,
1: hundred fifty percent.
0: And one other Mother Cabrini story. Uh, we have a woman here at the radio station that does voiceovers. Her name is Joyce McWiggin, and she's usually not here on Wednesdays. She comes in on Tuesdays. But she came in today to do thank you notes, and so we were telling her about the show, and she said, "Oh, Mother Cabrini. She evidently is the lector at the mass on, at Mercy Home, and the chapel is the chapel that Mother Cabrini used to go to and frequent very often." So it's just so funny, her presence it's today and her feast day, her presence is all around us and we're gonna intercede with her right now. Let's do it. maybe you'd be willing to lead us in a priya Lucia that Mother Cabrini assist your efforts to tell the story so it inspires young saints to do the same thing that she did when she was here on earth.
1: Oh well, I don't have a specific prayer, but I can I can say that in this sense that our dear dear Saint Francis Xavier Cabrini, that your love and your compassion Determination will heal our world, teach others that compassion can really make a change. And if we can all feel your presence, that that there will be beauty and goodness truly restored to our world.
3: Amen.
0: Amen. Well, Amen. It's been a marvelous show, a heartwarming show. We're so grateful to you for your beautiful work, Lucia. You'll be in that presence. Oh. And we look forward to the screening of Francis Xavier Cabrini, The People St. This has been WSFI Spotlight.
1: For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org.